0: Welcome to the My Intimacy Therapist Podcast. I'm therapist and coach, Shade Giovanni. If you want to feel less anxiety in your relationships and enjoy a confident and spiritual intimate life, you're in the right place. So grab a cup of tea and a warm blanket and let's talk intimacy. Welcome, welcome. This episode is is for all my ladies out there who are experiencing or think they might be experiencing something called vaginismus. That being said, obviously we will be talking very openly about um, your reproductive health and about intimacy and using all the appropriate vernacular that comes with that. So if you've got kiddos nearby and you don't really want them to overhear that conversation, pop some headphones in or save this episode for a little bit later. Could be a good conversation piece depending on how old your kids are, but that is the disclaimer. So (laughs) have a special guest with me and she is excellent at what she does. You're going to get a lot out of this. You might want to have a notepad with you. I don't know, but let's dive in. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a very special episode because we have Dr. Laura Myhofer here and she is, well, I'll let you lay out the red carpet for yourself, let the people know all about you.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. So I am a doctor of physical therapy uh, and I specialize in treating individuals with pelvic floor dysfunction. The pelvic floor is a beautiful uh, system of 26 muscles and its primary functions are bladder and bowel continence, sexual appreciation, support of our pelvic organs and support of our spine. So the last 10 years I have spent my life treating individuals and learning um, about these things and it's
0: been so much fun. I like that sexual appreciation part. (laughs) I've not heard it put that way. I like that a lot. Um, So I think the first thing to start with probably would be you already went ahead and defined the pelvic floor, but if someone's tuning into this episode, they might have the suspicion that they have vaginousness, which of course now we know there are, well, I don't think a lot of people know there's multiple different types of what we call vaginismus, and that's not even the clinical official term we use, at least not for therapists anymore. So from your angle, how would you talk to someone that is curious about, Wait, do I have vaginismus or not?
1: Yes. So I like to keep things pretty simple and broken down. But basically, when you're struggling with vaginismus, oftentimes you might describe it as your partner or you, whether you're um, inserting a vibrator, a penis, a tampon, a menstrual cup, a speculum, like it's hitting a wall, you might describe it as I'm I feel like I'm tightening my muscles even though I don't want to tighten them. So the way I will generally take these sort of random descriptors that people they always say to me, I, I feel like I can't find the right words for it. Is vaginismus is like you're trying to put a contact on your eyeball, but you you sort of brush into or get next to your eyelashes and you blink. And so that's the same thing with the vagina is that as something approaches or kind of touches that external area, your vagina essentially blinks and tightens and closes um, to stop anything from entering.
0: Oh. You clearly have done this very much because that was so perfect. Um, yeah, and to add on to that, that uh, the mental part, people feel like, well, I do want to have sex with my partner, so why is it still blinking? Quote unquote. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not like that. If I'm coming at you, I want to make that example you gave a little more drastic. If I'm coming okay. at your eye with a knife. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You're gonna blink, right? There's yes anything really. Um, so your your vagina kind of has a mind of its own in that regard. And what you just said there, with it feels like a wall. It's so funny to me how people have never talked to anyone about this before. We'll all use that same descriptor. Mm-hmm. Yes, along with yes, like burn. there's a
1: block. Yes, yes. So in addition to um, the vaginismus piece is, as you highlighted, there can be other things besides for just that wall component, there can be um, descriptors such as burning, stinging, tearing, pain, people might have Once everything is done, or maybe if they're wearing jeans or something that's like very close or tight to that vulva, they might describe a deep ache. Uh, Sometimes I've heard people say heaviness because their muscles are sort of tightened all of the time. And that sustained tightening or tends to be that dull, vague ache versus sometimes if you are trying to push past that wall or trying to stretch, um, that vaginal opening will be more of the sharp shooting, ripping tenderness.
0: Yeah. Which if anyone's listening to this and you do not experience this, um, and it sounds horrible. I think, I think it's fair to say that it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's part of the the loneliness and the exhaustion and the hopelessness that can come with people who experience this is you have no idea what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've experienced this too. People have gone to doctors multiple times and been told, oh, there's nothing wrong. Everything looks fine down there or just drink a glass of wine and you'll be better.
1: (laughs) Yes. I was just going to Say that is so many times people will say, well, your sexual debut, the first time you have intercourse, the first time you have a pelvic exam, it's supposed to hurt. It's going to hurt. Prepare yourself for it to hurt. And then say you have that first experience and it's painful and you keep having that experience. Or you're concerned you're going to have that experience and you go into your trusted provider and they say it's not that bad or have a glass of wine or maybe you need to try harder. And it just crushes my soul because they are so, so wrong. And there is help for individuals who
0: deal with this. And it. Sometimes it is related to trauma, sometimes it's not. I think that's another th- common misconception is, well, I can't have vaginismus because I've never had anything traumatic happen or um, you know, any number of thoughts. Sometimes it's, there's no direct cause. Sometimes there is a direct cause and it's psychological where that comes in with talk therapy and sex therapy. Sometimes it is purely physical where well I'll let you speak to that side and sometimes it's a mixture of both where by the time someone comes in for treatment it's kind of a which came first the chicken or the egg thing did the anxiety create the issue or did the issue create the anxiety but it's all just one big blob of stuff and so I'll talk to where I approach it as a sex therapist in a second but what about you if someone comes and you do an assessment what does that look like what can they expect when they make that appointment with you?
1: Yeah, so I, uh, when they make an appointment with me, we always have a free 20 minute phone consultation just so they. We make sure we jive and mesh. And I have lots of um, social media things, again, because I think a component of this is ensuring that the provider you're going to is someone who you can trust and isn't going to discredit your experience. So that's the first thing. Not all places offer that. The second thing is I send a really comprehensive intake questionnaire and forms so that prior to you even stepping foot in my door, I have been able to do kind of a comprehensive chart review. Uh, So I understand, is this something where maybe you had an unwanted sexual experience or some type of physical, mental, emotional abuse, or did you randomly have A back injury or something. And then we sit down and we just have a discussion to put descriptors around what it is that you're feeling and experiencing. And then I like to use a lot of diagrams and anatomy models to explain what's happening with those muscles or what I think is happening, but I also take a ton of time to explain the physical assessment component. Now, I will say any person who puts hands on you should always get your consent first. Uh, Personally, I can modify my physical exam a ton to meet wherever the patient is at comfort-wise, but generally what I'm doing is I'm having someone get undressed from the waist down. And I'm looking at their pelvic floor first, not even touching them, and asking them to do ranges of motion with their pelvic floor. So tightening, bearing down, deep breathing, coughing, and that gives me a sense of how their pelvic floor moves. And then I gently, as if I'm pushing around their eyeball, will push gently into the muscle tissues externally to see are they tight, tender, soft, supple? I like to take a Q-tip and touch around the opening of the vagina. Sometimes when I do that, I can see that uh, vagina tighten or close. Sometimes even just separating labia, I can see that. Uh, And then if this is available. If the person can sense to it, I can do uh, an internal pelvic exam. Now, oftentimes with individuals with vaginismus, just pushing externally, those muscles are tight and tender. And we spend a lot of time working externally before we do anything internal. I've had some people who really, really want to get a sense of what's happening internally. So I will just place my finger at the opening of the vagina and see, is there any pain with that placement? And then I might ask, Is there any pain if I start to try to advance my finger? And I'll do that sometimes with my pointer finger or pinky finger. And that just gives us a marker of where the person is at. If there is tenderness advancing the finger, I don't like to keep advancing. Um, We can do a lot of treatments externally before we do anything internally. But that starts to give a really great picture based on their history and their physical exam Of what's going on, what could be triggers and what our plan of care is going to be like as we move forward.
0: Yeah. I love the way that you approach that because I mean, the way you describe it, there's so many layers that come before, you know, just jamming something in there, jamming a tool in there, which I think is a lot of women's experience with their first OBGYN appointment. When you go in for like a pop smear, I've heard horror stories about the way that doctors have treated ladies who are like whoa 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 this doesn't feel great i can't do this and there's almost the expectation of like well this is just routine so i i don't know how i can help you and the way you're doing it is um this word that we talked about before we got on the call this advocacy that first of all this is an intimate encounter of you entering a woman's body and so you're asking permission and you're letting her know what's happening so that she can say yes, I'm on board, let's do this. Or can we slow down? Which is like on my end as the sex therapist, what I like to help ladies articulate for themselves within intimacy with their partner is that whole idea of like, just kind of push through it. Mm -hmm. That's not helping anything. It's angering your vagina as I like to say it. (laughs) And even if someone says, well, I can get a tampon in. So I don't understand why this isn't working. So I'm just going to like kind of move through that. That's also not the case. It's it's different. Mm-hmm. There's a a lack of control that comes with another person, whether it's in the medical environment or with your partner, even if you trust the person. So you do have to be fully on board for what's happening with your body.
1: Yes. And I will say, I graduated from PT school in 2012, and I went to Mayo Clinic, and I remember talking about consent, and someone told me, one of the teachers said, just by them walking into your office, your room, they are consenting to be touched. There's no way. And I remember thinking that seems odd, you know, (laughs) young, young Laura was like, I think that that doesn't seem quite right. And so then when I went and actually worked at Mayo, that was the same message. And I, a lot of times I do my own treatment or therapy. I really try to put myself in the person's shoes and I'm like, I am not. I tend to be really comfortable with um, providers, but I don't have a, a big history. So I understand that's my privilege um, because of that. I'm very lucky for that. And I just thought if I had pain or if I had this going on, or some type of history. No, 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 no. So I try to now educate the next generation and be vocal. And I always say to my patients that you're the captain of the ship. So whatever you want. So I just had an individual not that long ago, who was very nervous about me touching their body and had vaginismus. And so I said, how about we start with your tummy and how about you show me where I can touch you? And then even before I touched them, I showed her how I was going to place my fingers on her because some providers come in kind of perpendicular, whereas I almost come in kind of at parallel. So it's pads of fingers. And I practiced on her bicep to show her the pressure level. And then she actually put her hand Uh, over my hand to guide where I could touch on her. And so there are just so many ways that people can modify and change things. And I've interacted with several really good uh, general practitioners who will take two sessions before they'll do a pelvic exam. Um, And even then it's a highly modified pelvic exam and they go through specific questions to see what of this exam do you need to have done? So again, coming back to that advocacy piece as a patient and this is something that I do a lot too to keep my medical costs down is I'll ask, why do I need this test? What is it going to tell us and how is it going to help you determine your course of action? Um, because if, a, if them placing a speculum in me so that they can see, and I need to have my cervix screened for something, um, because I've had a history of abnormal pap smears. Well, that makes sense why that needs to happen. But if I've not had a history of abnormal pap smears, or it's not time for my pap smear because I'm within that three-year window, well, then you don't need to have it done. Um, And if you have a provider who's forcing you to do something or you're uncomfortable, one, report them to some type of office of patient experience, if you feel comfortable to do that. And two, if you can try to find someone else, because I really believe the healthcare field is like a service-based industry, kind of like a waiter or a waitress or a restaurant. And if I don't do a good job, then someone should go somewhere else. And I get, again, I understand that there's a lot of privilege around that um, statement, but just if I can empower you with any ounce of the privilege I have experienced as a cis white person, you just go in and you demand it. And if you need a little cheering for me, come follow me on at Laura Myhoffer and I'll be your hype girl.
0: You absolutely will be the hype girl. Uh, and that's what I love about it. So let's let's talk to the person then who's listening to you. And they're like, that sounds great. Sounds awesome. But when mm-hmm. I actually get in that moment, I freeze. Or the person mm-hmm. who's thinking, well, it's not that bad. It doesn't hurt every time. Just sometimes. And if we do, you know, the right angle, it's like a four out of 10 instead of a nine out of a 10. So I don't really need to go through that. What do you have to say to them? Yes. So first
1: of all for the person that freezes, I can totally relate to that. I oftentimes freeze or I get very confused. I have found it helpful I will write down my goals for a session with a provider or my questions or the things I need to remember to ask and then I hold I hold my big yellow pad of paper. Not my cell phone. I like to have a pen and paper because it slows me down if I have to write something down. So that's something that I find helpful. Um, And then to the person who's saying, you know, it's not that bad, I just so want that person to have health, wellness. I want them to have the life they deserve to live and if you are experiencing any pain even if it's a one or a two there are people who can help you and please come find us if if you don't have the funds right now to work directly with someone like that there's a lot of free content that good providers are sharing and just kind of watch in in the wings until you're ready Uh, and let those seeds be planted. And when you're ready to come forward, know that there are good people who can help you, but that you just, you deserve health and wellness and no
0: pain. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know where that, so that me coming from the cognitive side of the way beliefs are shaped, it's possible someone could hear that and it almost goes right over their head or they think, well, you don't understand, or, you know, I I can't do that, or it's not for me, or something like that. Sexuality is such an intimate part of what fuels your sense of well-being, what fuels your connection with your partner, it deepens your connection with your partner, or it can, and so to cut that off, or to say, well, that one can go, if it's your choice, and you don't see sexual enjoyment is something that's important to you. That's one thing. But if it's something you would like to enjoy, then this is a similar investment to, you know, if something was going wrong with your car, or if something was going wrong with another part of your medical health, where you would probably give it quicker attention. It's okay to see this as important and not just as a luxury.
1: Yes. I think of it kind of like the dentist, because I think sometimes you know you might have like a slight toothache you know but you really don't we don't walk around at least for me and my mouth and most people our mouths don't tend to have pain you know i can have back pain i can have neck pain because of stress tension sometimes i have some jaw discomfort because i clench but generally that tooth pain there that shouldn't be there and and if you leave it it will start to build and get worse. So that's another thing that I think is so important that you highlighted is someone who's maybe saying, well, I'm at a four out of 10 with pain. or I'm at a two out of 10 with pain. I always wish whenever I talk to people who are reporting eight, nine, 10 out of 10 pain, at some point, they were just at a one or a two. And I'm like, oh, if you would have just come in then, You know, you wouldn't have had this horrible five or 10 years. I want to take those five or 10 years away from you. And, um, and so coming in early and finding someone who's good. So you're not wasting your time and money is key because someone like me, who's been treating for many years, someone like you, who's been treating for many years, we might be able to give you more targeted, tailored treatment that will take less overall visits. Uh, And I always say, I want people to be fiscally healthy as well as physically healthy. And so I I have people who have vaginismus who are like, listen, I only can afford to see you once every four to six weeks. Okay. Okay. Let's go ahead. Let's work on that.
0: And then let's review if we need to. hundred percent agree. Same with um, couples counseling and sex therapy, these all work together. So I tell people, it's like you have a team and that can see over, seem overwhelming, especially financially. But if you have a team, we can also work with all of that in mind. It's like, okay, we can get you to a place in couples therapy and then take a little bit of a therapy break. So you can go intensive on your pelvic floor for a little bit. And start doing the exercises over there, and then come back and let's work on those conversations again. So it, mm-hmm. it's an inclusive approach. And if you are working with someone who is not inclusive, then that's also something to reevaluate. I know it's exhausting trying to find the right person. I, it's almost like you're going on dates again, and it's like you know mm-hmm. the fifth or sixth date with someone that's just like, whatever. Just I'm just gonna go home and. <laughs> Watch Netflix. I don't even want to do this anymore. But yes. Keep going because when you find the right fit, it is something where we're not trying to take advantage of you being in our office. We want to kind of work ourselves out of a job, so to speak.
1: Yes. Yes. That's what I, I love that I'm always like, I'm trying to teach you to be a pelvic floor physical therapist. And in this day and age, I think what's so great is many of the people have websites and have, you know, Instagram or newsletters or anything. And so you can really do a lot of, I, I highly encourage people to like Google stock, Instagram stock to get a sense of your therapist, because, you know, I can follow you at my intimacy therapist and I can get a sense of the type of care and provider that I'll get. And you know, it can be big decisions to trust this aspect of your life uh, with another person. And so um, take the time to just watch and wait in the wings. And then um, when you feel ready, hopefully sooner rather than later, come find us.
0: Yeah. And when you were just saying that, it actually brought up a thought. Um, What do you do specifically when your client has a partner who is not? as supportive so i've i've been blessed to see partners who are super awesome they are there for it they don't know what the heck's going on but they're like (laughs) they're open to finding out and helping and participating and and all of that and obviously well not obviously let me also say this just because your body's experiencing the pain doesn't mean this is a you issue this is such a bigger wider picture And so please, 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 if you were at all feeling the shame and guilt of like, why can't I get this? What's wrong with me? That is not, that's not the case. It's not all on you. So I love when partners come in and they understand that and they take ownership of that. But every now and then there might be a partner who does see it as, nope, this is you. You go off to therapy, Mm -hmm. you get fixed and then come back so we can have sex. Or my least favorite is, um, and also I understand if you don't understand what this is, it can be hard to have compassion for it or to think that maybe your partner is just punishing you by not having sex. But the idea of whining and blaming when you don't get the sex you want, it doesn't help. <laughs> no, <laughs> it adds to the problem. So I know how I approach it and I could talk about that in a second, but how do you approach that? So I do a couple of different things. I
1: for some unique reason, at least where I am in Rochester, Minnesota, I've been able to experience a lot of cultures too, which is a huge dynamic as well. Um, whether that's a culture of being just a Catholic person, we'll say, <laughs> identifying as Catholic. I've had people who um, like don't believe foreplay exists because it wasn't in the Bible. Um, whether I'm, um, with someone who's Muslim, um, you know, there's a lot of components there. So I always encourage, and you hit the nail on the head, bringing the partner in so that they can be educated on what's happening. So I always explain, and like I did earlier in the podcast, we have these 26 muscles. It doesn't matter what genitalia you have. Everyone has 26 pelvic floor muscles. I've had several partners that were like, oh, I thought, you know, just women had those muscles. And I was like, no, if you didn't have those muscles, you would just have a flap of skin. (laughs) That would be horrible. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So I do a lot of education from that standpoint. Another thing and something very easy that we can all try, you don't need to see me to do this is find a tender point on your neck, like in your upper trap area find like a knot where it's kind of hard and maybe a little gristly and then repeatedly push on that. It hurts. Okay. That is very similar to what someone is experiencing with vaginismus. And so I will tell people, go do that to your partner, not because you're being mean, but to have them experience it in their body. Or have them do a hamstring stretch, like they're gonna touch their toes. They're just bending forward to touch their toes, and then push down on their back, not hard or fast, but to a point where that stretch is giving that burning pain.
0: And so a lot of it might feel like the hard and fast version if you are pushing past that, you know, incest. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, and so with that, uh, those examples, I think sometimes when we can help partners experience what we're experiencing in some capacity, and then I'll say, imagine if that was your penis. Imagine if that aggressive hamstring stretch I just did to you was your penis being pulled. And imagine that pain that I just did. And I did that for 15 to 20 minutes, we'll say was happening in your butthole. And I'll like use words like that because people kind of giggle, but also because it's like sort of in your face. So the education component. The um, experiential component, and then the third thing, um, I like to give people homework, which I'm sure this ties into what you do.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, whether it's sensate focused exercises, or I'll even have I have a lot of people do restorative yoga. I'll say do it, do this together, so that they feel like they're working on it together because they really are. Um, and then I just hope to dear God, I have an amazing sex therapist on board so that you can cover your incredible things that you do.
0: Yeah, we definitely do lots of Sensate focus. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of something where Google University is great, but it's not going to accomplish everything. There is an experiential aspect. you know, there will be folks who super motivated, Um, And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like this, where you go online and you just order your dilators and you're like, I'm going to do this. But the coaching, the experiential aspect of like, what is this supposed to feel like? Mm -hmm. And getting feedback on that, that's something you get when you're with a professional healthcare provider. And so when people come here and we're talking through the relationship side, obviously come for sex therapy, we can't have sex. And then I ask a question about, well, tell me about you guys, Are do you consider yourselves friends? What's your friendship like? And it's like, mm, no, 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 we have sex issues. <laughs> Our friendship's mm-hmm. fine. Okay. Um. When's the last time you guys just kind of kissed or made out? Oh, you don't really do that. Okay. Then we got to back up a couple steps before we get to the penis in the vagina or anything like that, mm-hmm. because that When you hyper-focus on that outcome, and I really, if you've been listening to me by now, the goal-oriented sex, mm -mm. not a fan Mm -hmm. of that, not a fan of that mindset of just get it in there, have an orgasm, and congratulations, you did the sex. It's a whole experience of sharing your body and your soul and your mind with your partner. And if pain is coming up and it's saying, I need attention, then we pause and we give that pain attention, whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, Mm -hmm. we have to care for those things. Otherwise it's just going to exacerbate. And I promise you that pain is going to find a way to get your attention (laughs) one way or the other.
1: Yes. And I love how you said that professional aspect of things. I think Something I have learned being more in the online space of blogs and Instagram and YouTube is in order for you to even see the content, they have to do clickbait things. They have to do things that are going to grab your attention for you to say, I need to read this. It's not necessarily the thing that is truly going to help you. And I know. My team, I make them a little bit um, crazy because I refuse to do clickbait things or shame people. And I just say, you know what, if it means it takes longer for people to find me, then okay, because it does take a professional to figure out how to overcome different obstacles, whether it's you're doing some type of sensate focused exercise or some type of yoga thing and you maybe with sunsafe focused it brings up some emotional past emotional or thought or whatever You're going to need to process that with someone who can hold that space and give you usable tools. Maybe for me, it's a restorative yoga posture that I want you to do, but you like sprained your ankle. And so you can't get into child's pose the way that I've given you the picture and you didn't know that you couldn't get into it until you were doing it three times a day. Um, So being able to then come to someone to problem solve through these and to make the experience something that's manageable and attainable um is so so important
0: 100% agree and it is not one size fits all there's so many moving parts at every given time whether it's culture and paying attention to some things where you know, self-stimulation or self-exploration might be part of a treatment plan for one person and for another person, that's not something they're interested in at all, or it goes against their religious beliefs. And so they don't want to explore that side. Well, you know, if you look at just a random article on Google, there could be some shame with that. Like, this is the only way to get there. No, we cater the plans to you. And similar to, you know, when I'm working with a couple, um, that, that part of things coming up in the relationship, that is huge. That is really mm-hmm. huge. And we need to pause there. And you notice once we move that out of the way, things open up that couldn't have otherwise without that someone being able to look in and say, wait a minute, I see something. Let's mm-hmm. go look at that.
1: And I also think the thing that's really cool about therapy is physical and cognitive is that. It is a layering piece. So, I always prep my patients as we get into this holiday season that some stuff is going to come up. And so, when you are seeing like your general practitioner or maybe a specialist where it's they see you once a year, once every six months, or they maybe give you medicine and say, go to physical therapy, go to therapy, I'll check back in in three months, they're not seeing that week to week season to season change so here in minnesota it just snowed outside and the day before it was below zero with the wind chill so everyone that's coming into me right now is having more pelvic tension and more pelvic pain they were doing great when it was august june even in the fall we had a warm fall because they weren't sitting there getting into their car, tightening their butt cheeks, squeezing their knees together because they're cold. Um, and then I'm sure too, you can attest to this holiday season. You know the.
0: Of course, family stuff is coming up. Yes, Yeah, exactly. all my sex and therapy s- folks are on vacation right now. It's like, go do family yes. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Come back in January.
1: <laughs> yes, and so I think that's something too, that is so beneficial about having these professionals that can see you through the seasons, um, see you through the changes, maybe you have a loss of a loved one, you know, maybe you're sitting in a car for 10 hours, one way to then see your family, you know, and there's a lot that goes on. And so being able to check in more frequently is so helpful when we're dealing with vaginismus, because you might be doing great. And then you go back to that childhood home. Who knows what happened there? Who knows what your upbringing was with your parents and your family, you
0: know, and it just comes back. Everything comes back, which to think, to speak more to that rhythm, um, when I said vacation, it occurred to me that people are thinking of a real vacation. I'm talking about a therapy vacation where we'll like plan into the treatment process of we're going to go hard and we might be working really hard and doing homework and activities. You have to rest at Mm -hmm. some point, it's like, you've reached a great place, go take a month or two, maybe even three, to maintain all of the change that you've done that if you think about it, for a lot of people, the amount of time they're in therapy, whether it's pelvic floor or sex therapy, is um, relatively short compared to the amount of time they've had the problem. Mm -hmm. And so when they are in therapy, they're feeling like, oh, no, this isn't moving fast enough. This isn't, But it really is like, we need the foundation. We're going to pour it. We're going to let it set. And then we're going to add some more. If you have rapid fire growth, it's not going to be lasting change. And so those Mm -hmm. therapy vacations, I don't know how you do it on the pelvic floor side, but they really are to give you a chance, your body and your mind to settle into, wait, I can have sex now. Huh? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? because my whole identity Mm -hmm. in this relationship so far has been, I can't have sex. And so now that I can, uh, it's kind of weird. I have permission to go into the kitchen and have a cookie. Do I? Mm -hmm. Ah! And and that whole Mm -hmm. thing, it's just, it's a transition too.
1: Yes. I do. A lot of times the way I'll describe it is I'll say, okay, I want you to take, we've gotten to a good place and I'll say, let's I sometimes I'll present it as four, six, eight weeks and kind of see what their facial expression looks like. Cause sometimes they're like, I think I must be like a comfort item and they're like, oh gosh, I'm going to be getting some space from Laura. I don't know how I feel about that. And then based on kind of what we decide, I say, this is the time to just (laughs) marinate in the hard work you've done. To get a break from me chirping in your ear all of the time. I'm still there. You'll still hear me. I'm, you know, an email away, but take some time to just let this settle in and sit with you and see how you incorporate it in your life when you don't have me constantly checking on you. Because that's the long term of it. That's like going back to that des- dentist example. You know, you go to the dental cleaning. They do the intervention, and then it's up to you to keep brushing or flossing or whatever. Um, And so that's I apparently I love the dentist. So I'm always using
0: the dentist as an example. Oh no, I do not love the dentist. I have so much dental trauma. (laughs) The the example you gave earlier, I had had a toothache and I let it go because of how much I hate the dentist. Turns out my tooth was dying. Oh, no. needed a root canal, but I was like, Oh no, this is just TMJ. That's fine. I'll just take yoga. It'll- <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Dental trauma is real. And there is some research in the physical therapy world that the, um, our, TMJ, so temporal mandibular joint, and our vocal cords are very much tied into what's happening with our pelvic floor. So there are many individuals who um, I think should be in cognitive behavioral therapy to address the challenges they have around their mouth and what's happening at their mouth and going to the dentist for therapy and care and all of that. Who also tend to be pelvic floor patients. So maybe that's something you can explore with your clients, especially with like vaginismus clients. Like, how do you feel going to the dentist and having work done in your mouth? Because many people that have tight pelvic floors, I find uh, are jaw clenchers. They could be people who are either overly vocal, like maybe. would be someone that I would say overshares or they can be people who Mm. undershare and don't have their own voice. Um, and so it's like, it gets stuck, stuck here, or it's like overworking here. And then that I see it translate to the pelvic floor.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I love connections because on the anxiety end, we see that people who have, um, kind of generalized anxiety or issues with anxiety just across lifespan are more sensitive to potentially having issues with vaginismus. So there's other mm-hmm. indicators that this is an issue or just other angles to approach it from.
1: I love it.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I, as you know, as we keep preaching, there's help for you. There's help for you. There's help for you. Um, And also I will say, I think there are a lot more people that have these issues who either one, don't even realize it because it's just how it's always been. No one's ever mentioned it or, um, they, because they just, people don't talk about it, you know, and there, I never, the statement I'll hear is I never heard my friends say anything about it. I never heard, um, my parents talk about it. I didn't see it on TV. I mean, anytime I see any sexual dysfunction highlighted on TV, I nearly stand up and start clapping. Um, everyone, I always say, everyone thinks it's all 50 shades of gray in the bedroom, you know, or there was that movie sex life or TV show sex life.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it's just not that way
0: and that's okay. And that's okay. And we're also trying to create a version of intimacy, a version of your sex life that fits you, you Mm -hmm. and your partner. We are not trying to help you mimic or recreate any other picture of what sexuality Mm -hmm. looks like. So Mm -hmm. I hope that's, that's liberating for someone, but let's, let's give them next steps. Then they listen to the podcast. They're like, okay, yeah, fine. Okay. I can admit it. I might need to see Mm -hmm. someone. What's their immediate next step?
1: Their immediate next step, I would say, is to get a sense of the local providers in your area. So I have a video on my YouTube channel. uh, Laura Meinhofer LLC is the YouTube channel, but it goes through how to find providers in your area. So there are several different search engines that you can utilize And it does it based on the radius from your zip code, and then within that video, I talk about asking three major questions. The first being, um, do you treat? Have you treated people with my condition? So someone might say they're a pelvic floor physical therapist, but they maybe have never treated someone with vaginismus. So don't go to that person. asking how frequently do you do that? So I had someone who they're like, the person said they treated it, but then after I was working, being treated by them, they had treated it like once in five years. So getting a sense of how frequently, and then the third being, do you do internal and external pelvic examination and treatment? So that just helps, helps, you know, that they've gone to get the extra education, the extra continuing education. So my big thing is I don't like it when someone calls themselves a pelvic floor PT, but they refuse to like, look at your genitals. That would be like you having a shoulder issue, or if we keep using the dentist, going to the dentist and having a toothache and the dentist refusing to look at your mouth or in your mouth or the provider refusing to look at your shoulder, like how can we fix that? So those three questions, usually the front desk staff, a manager, or even if you get to talk to the PT, will be able to answer those questions. Um, so that would be the next step, I think, um, because then you can get a sense of who's in your area and if they're good or not good. Uh, at the same exact time, I think you should follow people like me and like Shade so that you can see this is what get a sense of this is what good therapy is. And this is what, and then like use us as a template. So if you're not in our area, I know for me, I have a lot of stuff on LinkedIn of different education I've done. And so you can kind of, again, virtually stalk people, um, to get a sense of what's going on. And then I know for me, um, though I am not licensed in, the only state I'm licensed in is Minnesota. I do offer like a wellness remote consultation. Um, So if any of this seems overwhelming, um, I offer this remote consultation as a high touch point where we can talk to each other, go through what to expect and outline what you should have in a plan of care. So you can go in to someone armed And then you can almost, I say, blame me. So if you're going into your medical provider and they keep saying, no, it's not a big deal. No, it's not a big deal. I will say, use me. Say, Laura Myhoffer said, Laura Myhoffer's Instagram post said, I deserve good health and wellness, you know? And so you, I like to think that I'm always in people's corner. Um, So those are you know, several steps, but based on where you are in your readiness, it could be as simple as just following us on Instagram, or it could be as big as kind of looking for people in your area, or even a step bigger of scheduling like a remote consultation um, with me, but I like to give a spectrum.
0: Yeah. Options are good. And to add to that, I think definitely following us on Instagram gives you language. There's something so empowering at about knowing what you're talking about so when you say a word you know what that word means and if your provider says a a word to you you understand what they're talking about and you don't feel like because I can feel Mm -hmm. anxiety provoking too and that's the worst it is the worst and I have um a blog post on my website about finding a therapist a little bit of a different angle. I think I even included a mini script in there that you can put into the email box. Yeah, because (laughs) some people are like, well, what do I say? (laughs) What do I tell them? So there's a little script of here's what you can email like to let them know what you're needing and some questions that you can ask to let them, to find out if they are qualified, like you were saying, to treat your specific needs. Just because someone's a couples therapist doesn't mean they work with sex Surprising. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my um, gosh,
0: it always cracks me up. It, it's an interesting thing. And I've been surprised to hear about how many um OBGYNs do not have knowledge about vaginismus. Uh, you would think so, if they're down there already.
1: <laughs> I, have a little, like, a little I just blood. I just always it baffles me. Like just because someone has credentialing does not mean that they're good um and again that I know it's so challenging to hear this but you deserve health and wellness and um I've had several people message me and they're like I'm going to the doctor Laura tomorrow I need some hype um you deserve it and just because they don't know doesn't mean it doesn't exist
0: yes that one That needs to be a Mm T-shirt. My goodness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, how can people find you? I'll put it in the show notes too. But we just want to hear your voice. So, (laughs) yes.
1: So, uh, you can find me primarily. I am most active on Instagram at Laura Myhoffer. It is um, an interesting last name, uh, but it'll be in the show notes. And then also, I have a website www.lauramyhoffer.com. And I do a newsletter every couple of weeks. And then also I am on um, YouTube as well. And those videos I actually created to make my life easier with my practice. So those are literally things that you would get if we were in session together. So it's a great free resource. uh, and I actually introduce and talk about dilators and stuff on there as well. So lots of places to interact, lots of ways to get good, reliable information.
0: Yes. And we didn't talk about dilators today, but that was kind of intentional. Hopefully dilators should not be your first step. (laughs) That's my personal thought. I understand you're excited. You want to make change. You want to do it yourself. Dilators is not the place to start.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's not the place to start just so people can hear this because I sort of think, um, as training the pelvic floor, similar to like, if you were gonna train a marath- for a marathon, you actually, before you even start any type of marathon training, you have to like build a base and then you do the training for the sport. And so dilators are part of the component of training, but they're one component. Um, and they're more at the, towards the end of the therapy and so or the therapy process so jumping into that would kind of be like just showing up to the starting line of a marathon and that's not how it works no (laughs) not at
0: all well thank you so much for joining me thank Uh, you you're so knowledgeable and you're so gentle and patient in the way that you approach this so if anyone has had a traumatic experience with trying to get started Maybe you've had a PT appointment before and you were like, oh my gosh, why do I feel worse? I hope that hearing your voice has encouraged them to try again because as you said, you deserve health and wellness. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. So much good stuff in that conversation. And I really do hope that if you take away anything Take away the advocacy part. Advocate for yourself and for what you need and for what you know about your body so that you can get quality care for all parts of your being. Intimacy is multi layered, multi dimensional, as you've heard me say before. And your physical body is one part of it, your heart and your emotions and your mind is another part, your spirit, your soul is another part, your partner is another part. So much so. If you get overwhelmed, just remember those action steps we said towards the end. Just start with something small. One baby step It's a lot better than no steps at all, okay? And above all, as you approach healing and life and joy and satisfaction and enjoyment in your intimacy life, I hope you construct a version of it where you feel fully seen, fully known, and fully loved whether it's in the doctor's office therapy office or the bedroom fully seen fully known and fully loved we will talk soon